pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. If you have pain and need surgery, you'll want to hear about this new anesthetic technique called ComfortSafe. It's used for patients who may not want or can't tolerate typical anesthesia with opioids. ComfortSafe can avoid the side effects of anesthesia, like nausea, vomiting, and confusion. It's helping to enhance recovery after surgery, too, by using intravenous anti-inflammatory medicines and acetaminophen, also known as Tylenol, during surgery. And for patients in chronic pain, we're finding that they're more comfortable in the recovery room and their need for opioid pain relievers is less. Our first guest, Chris Bedard, underwent 25 surgeries following a left leg amputation. He often woke up in a daze or had to wait hours for sensation to return in his legs after spinal anesthetics. But ComfortSafe changed all that, and he's here to tell us how. Then, Dr. Joe Myers, an anesthesiologist who developed ComfortSafe at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, will share the benefits of this innovative technique. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic. Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Chris Bedard is a 19-year-old who had a serious infection that almost took his life. He ultimately lost his left leg below the knee and needed many surgeries to help that leg heal. Each surgery has required anesthesia, but ComfortSafe made a noticeable difference in his recovery. Chris, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Before we talk about your most recent surgery in ComfortSafe, take us back to the point that you needed a below-the-knee amputation of your left leg. When I was 15, I had a staph infection, and I went to septic shock. Mm -hmm. And while I was in septic shock, I had to be placed on ECMO, uh, five blood pressure medication, dialysis, plasmapheresis, uh, IVIG therapy, and along with fluid resuscitation to okay. keep me alive. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, the five blood pressure medications restricted the blood flow to my limbs. Yeah. And plus the ECMO being placed into my left leg, taking up two of the three arteries, it ultimately just made my leg turn black and necrotic. And when I went in for surgery to try and salvage it, um, I ended up catching pseudomonas in the hospital, which ultimately just killed my leg and resulted in a below-the-knee amputation. Wow, what a tough time that must have been for you. Let me define some terms that you mentioned. You mentioned plasmapheresis. That uses a machine that removes antibodies from the blood that attack the immune system and then replaces it with fresh plasma. You also talked about 
needing ECMO. ECMO means extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. That's a big term. And what it means is this. It takes over the work of the heart and lungs. It removes blood from the patient's body, removes carbon dioxide, and then oxygenates red blood cells. It's generally used only as a life-sustaining intervention. And the ECMO requires that tubes called cannulae are placed in the vessels. And in your case, it sounds like those vessels were in the groin, probably the femoral artery and the femoral vein. You also mentioned that you required five blood pressure medicines, and those were likely used to maintain your blood pressure. When we use those medications, it causes the vessels to constrict, and that can lead to a decrease in blood flow to arms, and in your case, to your leg. You know, Chris, seeing your leg in that condition must have been horrible. I was a kid that played three sports a year. I played baseball, basketball, football, and just to see my leg like that, you know, it's such a vital part of my body that I was devastated and ultimately just extremely sad, but I was also extremely grateful that I was alive, you know, 30% Mm -hmm. chance of survival, odds weren't in my favor. Absolutely. And Chris, after you had the -the below-the-knee amputation, how painful was that stump? Oh, yes, very, very, especially not having any um, skin on it or anything. All my nerve endings were basically exposed. Mm -hmm. I was on the highest amount of gabapentin you could take in a day. And how about opioids like OxyContin or MS-Contin? Methadone, yeah, and Dilaudid. Dilaudid was more of like as needed, like five breakthrough pain. Mm-hmm. And how effective were these medicines? They're definitely very effective uh, pain-wise, but functionality, I had home hospital schooling. Uh-huh. It was torture. It was so hard to um, understand and process information like just to retain it, mm-hmm. the pain meds were just so strong. Mm, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I do have patients who have similar side effects, but they often get better over the course of a couple of weeks. What kind of anesthesia was used during the amputation surgery? So I had a total of uh, 25 surgeries at Johns Hopkins. This includes the amputation, basically all the rest were debridements. Mm-hmm. It was just a mixture of spinal and general anesthesia. 19 of them were uh, all from spinal. Okay, now a spinal anesthetic is when we inject a local anesthetic like bupivacaine or lidocaine, for example, into the fluid-containing space that surrounds the spinal cord. And that numbs up and paralyzes typically the area from the belly button all the way down to the feet. And the general anesthetic incorporates the use of a breathing tube into the trachea. Anesthetic gases are then pumped into the lungs through the breathing tube to render us unconscious and to provide pain relief. Did you have any problems with the spinal anesthetic? I mean, what was that like? The spinal was uh, going very well at first, but after about the 15th one, I started developing these headaches every time I would sit up for more than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was a, definitely a tougher recovery just because it would take hours for your um, bottom half feeling to come back. Yeah. So that was kind of annoying. And with general anesthesia, it was um, always the fog of waking up. It was like 
fog in front of you and like you're just looking around and everything's blurry it's so and you're in like a daze yeah i mean that can really be disorienting we're due for a break when we come back we'll find out about comfort safe and how it really helped chris get through his most recent surgery i'm dr paul christo and you're listening to aches and gains aches and gains is supported by teva the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back. Chris most recently had a skin flap surgery whereby the surgeons took skin and fatty tissue from his left thigh and placed it over the stump of his left leg. And that took something like 13 hours to perform. But now, Chris, you were introduced this time to a new anesthetic method called Comfort Safe. What was that like? It was described as different type of uh, general anesthesia, no narcotics. There's no pain medicine at first given. Mm-hmm. During Hopkins, I would always go um, into hypotension, yeah. which is where your uh, blood pressure drops. So none of my surgeries were ever longer than an hour and a half. Okay. With this method, he was able to go for 13 hours without having any, any issues at all. Well, that's a huge difference. I know that they didn't give you any uh, opioids, for example, or medicines for anxiety before the surgery, and you weren't taking any opioids before this last surgery either. Do you know what they gave you, though, right before that 13-hour surgery ended? All they gave me was uh, Toradol and Tylenol. Oh, and an Exparol to the donor site. Okay, now Toradol is an anti-inflammatory, like Motrin, that's given intravenously. And Exparel is a fairly new, long-acting local anesthetic called Bupivacaine that's injected into the surgical site and that many patients feel lasts for about 24 to 48 hours. And Chris, when you woke up from this surgery, how did you feel? I mean, were you comfortable? I was definitely very comfortable, and Dr. Myers was there for probably about 45 minutes, just making sure, you know, everything was all right, I, I wasn't in any pain. That's good to hear. And Dr. Myers is our next guest on today's show. Chris, what was the recovery like after that 13-hour surgery? It felt like there there was no need for a recovery. Uh-huh. I felt perfectly fine after the comfort safe. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. And I know you also didn't have any nausea, vomiting, or confusion this time. But did you need any any opioids for pain control in the recovery room? Yes, I need to take uh, Dilaudid on the PCA. The PCA is a pump. I have control of when I want to receive my um, Dilaudid. I push a button and it'll go into my IV. And I didn't really need to push that too often, honestly. Well, that's yet another advantage to ComfortSafe. And by the way, would you request ComfortSafe again when you need surgery? Definitely. I'm actually going for surgery uh, this upcoming Tuesday, Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely going to have Dr. Myers there again. Excellent, and good luck with that. In the few moments that we have left, what do you think we should take away from today's discussion about ComfortSafe? I think the ComfortSafe is definitely the go-to anesthetic. Georgetown and Dr. Myers have perfected it, and it was was great. I, I felt like myself. I didn't feel like I was just all drugged up. Uh, it felt normal. 
no nausea, no vomiting. That's great. And Chris, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned. Dr. Joe Myers joins us to talk about the innovative technique called Comfort Safe. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Dr. Joseph Myers is an associate professor of anesthesiology at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. He's developed a unique approach to providing anesthesia called ComfortSafe. Dr. Myers, welcome to Aches and Gains. Nice to be here. How would you describe ComfortSafe? ComfortSafe is a technique of anesthesia in which we uh, use few, if any, opioid narcotics. Mm -hmm. We have a checklist, in fact, that we collaborate on with the surgical team during the anesthesia and surgical procedure to um, make sure that we're using all available non-opioid analgesics. So we can have a pain plan in place when the patient wakes up. And we can avoid the um, side effects of opioids, including nausea, vomiting, and um, respiratory depression, and so many others. Okay, so the goal then is an enhanced recovery after surgery while preventing any complications related to opioids. And, you know, this is consistent with a worldwide strategy that emphasizes enhancing recovery after surgery so that patients can leave the hospital sooner, recover faster, and feel even more comfortable following surgery. Now, Joe, uh, using opioids during surgery is pretty common and effective, and and opioids really are the gold standard for postoperative pain control. So why try to reduce their use during and after surgery? We found that, for instance, um, patients with renal failure that have uh, come from dialysis, their pressure will drop so so rapidly if they get narcotics during the case, yeah. and then we're essentially resuscitating them with um, phenylephrine or other drugs to bring up their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Our blood pressure was maintained so much better just by turning up the sevoflurane or turning it down. Uh-huh. There is no taking back IV opioid narcotics once they're given. Okay, well, I mean, that's true. Now, you mentioned an anesthetic gas called sevoflurane. Anesthetic gases that provide general anesthesia uh, provide amnesia, which means we don't know, hear, or feel anything during the surgery. They provide analgesia, which is pain relief, and they also help control blood pressure during surgery. And then finally, they prevent us from moving during surgery. Uh, Dr. Myers, what was the driving force for developing this new anesthetic technique? Patients would be so nauseated after surgery. Yeah. They just would say that it wasn't the pain that was the worst part. It was being nauseated or vomiting for a day or so. Mm-hmm. So what we did was uh, to stop using the narcotics then. Uh, we used propofol as a medication that even helps prevent nausea and vomiting. Right. And we got tremendous results. That's good. And by the way, propofol is what we call an induction agent. It's used intravenously to induce unconsciousness. It's used before surgery to render us unconscious and uh, during surgery as well or procedures. 
Dr. Myers, how long have you been using ComfortSafe? It's been in the creative process for about 10 years. It's not stagnant by any means. There mm-hmm. are always some um, additions and changes to be made, but for 10 years, it's been uh, being developed. Okay. Now, take us through the process. For example, if I were the patient needing surgery, what would I encounter? And let's start in the preoperative area. We're always going to begin by saying, uh, are you comfortable? That's the first thing. And opioids are not withheld from patients. We'll talk about the importance of uh, set expectations, let's say. Mm-hmm. You're having surgery, and there may be pain, and our goal is to have it be tolerable. Right. We can't have your blood pressure and heart rate elevated, and so we are going to look for that, but realize that there are side effects from uh, narcotics if you take them. Sure. And in advance of surgery, are you doing, are you performing any nerve blocks? We do regional types of things with local anesthetics infiltrating the wound in the operating room. Okay. I mean, I know that can be quite effective too for pain relief. Now what happens in the operating room? you would go to sleep just like any other patient. Mm -hmm. This anesthetic wears off very quickly. It's very controllable. And so the patient can wake up quickly. Exactly. Now, before I wake up in the operating room, would you give me any medications for pain control? This is where we use the comfort safe pyramid. We stop for about 20 or 30 seconds right at the time that the surgical wound is going to be closed. Okay. And we have a discussion rapidly with the surgeon, can you infiltrate the wound with local anesthetic? Yes or no. Can we use Ketorolac? So this is a medication. We want to check uh, kidney function. We want to know if there's any um, reservation on the part of the surgeon for using that for bleeding, for instance. And then we want to uh, ask if we're um, okay to use IV acetaminophen within a half an hour or an hour of the patient waking up. Okay. Now, you mentioned Toradol, and Toradol is an anti-inflammatory medicine that we use intravenously. And you also mentioned acetaminophen, which is known as Tylenol. Stay with us, because when we get back from the break, we'll talk to Dr. Myers about what happens in the recovery room. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Just joining us, we're here with Dr. Joseph Myers from MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. He's developed a unique anesthetic technique called ComfortSafe. Now, Dr. Myers, the surgery has ended and I'm in the recovery room. What happens at that point? We're at the bedside, and again, we're not withholding opioids by any means at that point. Mm-hmm. We've used every other possibility to control pain, and now all that we have left are the opioids. These are the, the ones that we save for last. Okay, now let me ask you, how often do patients postoperatively need opioids? We do see that they require it often in doses that are amazingly reduced. Mm -hmm. I just 
have not ceased to be amazed at the response that we get. Um, about a week ago, we did bilateral mastectomy. Yeah. And uh, the patient, the first thing that she said when she woke up was, thank you, not I'm having terrible pain. Hmm. So that's a nice result. That is nice. What kind of patients are the best candidates for comfort-safe anesthesia? Well, it was designed for the absolute most challenging patients, the morbidly obese, oxygen-dependent, hypertensive, diabetic patient with renal compromise. Wow. Since it works for them, mm -hmm. then when you use it on a healthy patient that is having a mastectomy, for instance, then it, it works equally well. Yeah, I mean, I can see that given that it's successfully used for extremely sick patients. Overall, it seems like it can be effective for any patient undergoing general anesthesia. And Joe, what about outpatient versus inpatient surgery? I think it's designed for both. Okay. Now, Joe, I can see my patient saying this. My pain isn't going to be managed during the surgery, so I'm going to be in misery afterwards because Dr. Myers isn't going to give me any opioids for pain control. But in reality, what have you found? I've found quite the opposite, mm -hmm. that when we can use any number of other pain-relieving methods that they wake up and are in effect at that time. Then when we give the opioid medications, if they require it, we need far less and it's more effective. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think many people would be surprised to hear that. Yes, it's a new technique and it certainly is contradictory to uh, traditional care. It is contradictory. Now, on the other hand, have you noticed that patients require higher doses of opioids after surgery because they haven't received them in the operating room? No, that's what you might think, but it's almost as if their requirement is reset as mm -hmm. they've been off of the opioids during anesthesia. For instance, someone gives up caffeine for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. The next time they have a half a cup of coffee, well, it has more effect than it used to. So now when we get to the recovery room, the opioids have more effect. Uh, Dr. Myers, I'd like you to comment on our previous guest, Chris Bedard, because he had something like 25 different surgeries that required general anesthesia, and he had several spinal anesthetics. And unfortunately, the spinal anesthetics led to headaches. But more recently, he used ComfortSafe with a great outcome. Yes, uh, Chris is a challenging patient who requires a certain type of anesthesia that will maintain his blood pressure well. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly important for his free flap procedure. He had anesthesia at one point for the free flap and his pressure couldn't be maintained. It kept falling okay. and that wasn't going to allow the procedure to continue. Right. When we use the comfort safe uh, technique, it's much more controllable and we were able to uh, complete the surgery and uh, even get a fist bump in the recovery room <laughs> because he was so comfortable. That's fantastic. Where is this technique available? I mean, is it available across the country? No, this is available really just at MedStar Georgetown. Um, we're working on any number of um, investigations to make it more popular. Uh -huh. We presented at the World Congress of the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Composium, and um, so the word is getting out. Well, I hope it does. Now, Chris Bedard had a very positive experience with ComfortSafe. Have other patients, though, not particularly liked it? Many 
patients that have it, if they have a repeat surgery, mm-hmm. then they want it definitely again. Okay. And we have patients that come in that whose friend has had it. Patients have said, I was tentative before, but this is amazing. I had the traditional type of anesthesia in the past, and I was so nauseated, and this is tremendous. And before we close, what's your message about Comfort Safe? Comfort Safe is a very simple, effective means of providing um, anesthesia, allowing patients to wake up comfortably and to go home sooner. And with that, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Myers, for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.